Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the End Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and Rosalie is out this week to celebrate her birthday, so we do wish her a happy birthday, but I am joined by our regular co-host, Sylvia Wassenaar. Hello. Hello. No new releases that we played this week, but luckily Nintendo did give us an Indie World presentation, so we'll be talking about that in this episode, and we will be hearing uh, from Rosalie in a pre-recorded segment a little later on in the episode. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Now we had the Indie World presentation on November 9th. Three or four times a year, Nintendo will put out a video that focuses on new indie releases coming in the coming year. And this is what we can look for now. Uh, first up was Venba, which is out in Q2 of next year. Uh, I've heard it compared to Cooking Mama, although it looked like it was a lot more profound than Cooking Mama to me. It's about uh, Indian immigrants in Canada who are connecting with their assimilated child through Indian cooking. Uh, looked like it might be real special to the Indian community and also to people who want to know more about that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that the perspective was is that they, they've seen plenty of games of from the kids' side of uh, immigration, mm -hmm. but not so much the parents' side. And it looks like uh, mom and dad aren't necessarily always having a great time based on their character designs they, they look pretty tired and haggard in a few shots so I'm, I'm thinking this is probably going to go to some pretty sad places yeah but uh food heals all <laughs> and the food does look delicious to be honest yeah it uses a really distinct art style it kind of reminded me of maurice sendak kind of storybook style but a lot more dense and intricate in the number of colors it's using like the backgrounds are completely filled in but the characters almost look like they're made out of paper that, that yeah. was how i felt anyway they got that sketchbook sort of mm -hmm. vibe to them but yeah storybook's a good comparison oh i actually wonder if the recipes in the game if you could actually use them as real recipes in real life because that would be fantastic that would be a nice addition, just include a little cookbook, or even just give it away as a PDF alongside the game. Yeah. Because uh, the, the DS used to do that. I think the 3DS had that too, where you could actually buy cookbooks that you so you could have your DS out beside you while you were cooking that had oh, yeah. all the information on screen. One of the more successful uses of the DS is uh, something other than a game device, I think. Yeah, that was before phones and tablets, really. Oh, man. So old. <laughs> <laughs> Remember a world before the iPhone? I barely do. <laughs> barely. I remember when the iPhone came out and being sad it wasn't available here, but that's another story. I remember when it came out, I worked at a store that was beside like a cell phone store and just watching the line outside just grow across the entire parking lot. And it's like, what is going on? Because I knew what the iPhone was, but I had no idea it was going to be such a big deal. <laughs> no one did. <laughs> Yeah. But we're well off track now. Uh, next up was Goodbye World. That's going to be out sometime this month. I didn't give a, a specific date, but it's supposed to be out in November. Uh, you play as developers making handheld games, trying to get by in the world, and not necessarily having a great time of it. it we see a lot of these kind of autobiographical games of people who want to be making art but they can't make enough money at it, so they have to take a part-time job. There's the IMOFK, did some similar things earlier in the year. The plus side on this one is it looks like you can actually play the games that 
these two developers are making in between the story sequences could be interesting. I like the aesthetic of it. I'm usually mm-hmm. a bit adverse to pixel art games, <laughs> but and I'm fact... not. I love pixel art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like it has a purpose in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just get the vibe that there's more to this game than than they're letting on. It was a very short segment. I just wonder if it gets not surreal but heavy. I don't know. This is something about the filter that they use over the screen and the art style. It just has that aesthetic of something that's, you know, going to go places. Graphically, it reminded me a lot of Eastward. Not just that it had, you know, kind of retro 16-bit inspired graphics, but it had a really similar color palette too. And also, Eastward also had a a Game Boy game that you could play that was built into it, so... (laughs) I wonder if they were kind of mad when Eastward came out and said, oh, that looks a lot like the thing we're making. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be awful. I wonder if they write that in. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, clear highlight for me was Have a Nice Death. It's a roguelite side-scrolling you know, combat platformer. Basically, it looked like Hollow Knight if Hollow Knight was a roguelite. I thought it looked great. Uh, You play as Death, uh, who is apparently the boss of some kind of death dealing or soul gathering operation in the afterlife and all of his employees have gone rogue so he has to go out and and kill them all again to get them under control and (laughs) since you're death you know you're immortal where is he gonna go cleveland he just keeps respawning and you just keep trying until you kill everything look look like a fun game i uh like the weapon variety apparently there's over 80 weapons i think they said that's that's a lot yeah it's me wonder how much variety there really is or if they're just counting like you know the fire weapon and the ice weapon are two different weapons even if they have the exact same animations yeah i saw this and it was like this is an android game (laughs) i'm so predictable (laughs) Uh, you're allowed to have your favorites not for me but i will say that the presentation is absolutely fantastic like it just looks really nice yeah, the animation and the frame rate. I was like, if it actually runs like that on Switch, that is incredible. Also, just like the user interface and the HUD and everything, it just looks very clean and modern even. But the art style of like the backgrounds and stuff, I'm just flicking through it as we talk. Um, it, it looks really intricate, but well thought out. I don't know, maybe I'll watch somebody play it or I'll just cave and get it. Because roguelites, I kind of like, but... It's a time investment. Oh, yeah. You will spend at least as long playing a roguelite as you would a regular game, but you're going to be playing... The same levels. (laughs) Yeah, the same four levels. Usually, on average, roguelites have about four levels. You'll be playing them over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Uh, Next up was Akka. That's going to be out December 15th. You play as a retired warrior who has gone to this island, and you can go around just relaxing (laughs) at one point you can sleep on a capybara's back and it's a big capybara couldn't really make much of what you would really do in this game it looks like it might just be a a vibes game you just play it just to relax it's not really something you play to you know chase a a credit sequence yeah i got some life sim vibes from it that kind of Mm -hmm. put me off Everything else about it just looks really cozy. I I can think of some friends that would absolutely love this game. Just by the vibes alone. 
And that capybara, though. <laughs> we need more capybaras in our games. <laughs> yeah, there's a, like a trend at the moment online and in games and movie. Well, not movies, like YouTube videos. People really like capybaras, and they should. They're just giant, chill rat dogs. That's what they are. Rat dogs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up was Pepper Grinder. That's going to be out next year. A uh, new game from Devolver Digital, the publisher. You know, I say it every time Devolver Digital has a game coming out, but Devolver Digital games are always interesting, and they're usually good, so uh, this caught my eye. I actually remember when this game was just a GIF on Twitter that the developer was sharing. Very excited to see that the game's actually done. Uh, you play as this person who has a drill... Like that she holds in front of her, that's her main weapon, and you can use it to dig through sand and soft earth, and while she's digging, it pulls her forward through it, so you can basically fly under the ground and hurl yourself out of it, so you need to you know, use your momentum to throw yourself across gaps or up onto higher ledges. Looks like it could be a really fun you know, physics-based platformer. Very happy that this is coming out soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've said it before, but any game that has an interesting traversal mechanic, mm. I am all in on. Um, and this looks really fun and addictive to play. I, I'm looking forward to it. I actually kind of like the art style. I know it's like pixel art, but it's not <laughs> black outline pixel art, you know? It looks good. It looks fun. I, I like that that has like the gems in the the dirt that you can dig through, so it kind of mm. gives you a path to like really fling yourself. It's probably going to be very puzzle based as well, just like physics platforming puzzle based. Yeah, it looked like there were some uh, some gold coins, maybe pirate coins spread throughout the levels you have to collect too. That's probably what will keep you coming back to the game as far as you know going for one hundred percent completion. That's that's usually a pretty good way to keep me engaged, is to give me that extra little bit of thing to reach for, like the strawberries in in Celeste. Yeah, I didn't want to compare this to Celeste, but I get Celeste vibes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that regard, as far as the collectibles, I, I don't know if it's going to be as... I don't think they'd be comparable as games. Like, yeah. if you like Celeste, you yeah. like this, but it just reminds me of Celeste overall. And then we had Coffee Talk, Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. That's going to be out Q2 next year. Uh, Coffee Talk is a, a narrative conversation game. You play as a, a barista at an all-night coffee shop, and these fantasy creatures come in, and you have to serve them coffee. You have to make the kind that they want, and you can decorate the foam using the in-game tools, and then they have a story that unfolds in each episode. Uh I've always wanted to play this, and I feel bad that I still haven't. Now there's a sequel coming out, so I feel worse. It didn't quite click with me. I'm the sort of person that if something is dialogue-heavy, I tend to stray away from over time. Mm. And if this is nothing but dialogue, it's going to be a struggle. It, like The art style is fantastic, and the character designs. Mm. Like the Banshee. The opera singing Banshee. Oh. Like, have I found a new look? <laughs> life goals <laughs> okay, and then I believe uh, Rosalie is a Coffee Talk fan and I believe she pre-recorded a segment to talk about this so I will insert that here hello this is Rosalie the little record girl sending in a pre-recording 
because I am away on my birthday shenanigans because I'm turning 32. Oh no, I'm old. But I'm not old enough uh, to not enjoy video games and that's why I'm here. So I also watched the Indie World Showcase and all in all, all the things looked really cool and very gorgeous um, animation for a lot of stuff. Nothing that really caught my eye too much. I think sometimes a lot of these games and these showcases kind of blend together because there's loads of farming things or you know lots of games that use that uh, genre of cozy game and sometimes I can get a little bit bored of that. However I really like the look of Goodbye World and um, the one about the two indie developers and there's like a game within a game. I really like when things do that. Have a Nice Death looked really cool. Again, it looks like something that I wouldn't be very good at, but I really liked the animation and I liked that you played a wee Grim Reaper. That's neat. There was Akka, the one about the red panda, which again looks really cute. I would probably enjoy it. It's just not something I'm really interested in at the moment. The game that caught my eye the most was Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. Um, I've played the first Coffee Talk. It is wonderful. It's this really cute visual novel where you're a barista in the future with all these kind of different little demon girl will come up and talk to you or a, a space alien in a spacesuit will come talk to you. You're the barista and you remember their favourite coffee coffee orders or they make a kind of recommendation and you make that. You can make the latte art and you can just talk to them and that kind of story unfolds. I've had barista training so I always thought this game was really cute. I'm really interested in playing the new one especially because the original creator uh, Mohamed Fahmi sadly passed away at a really young age. He was only 32 so I imagine this is going to have a really nice kind of memoriam to him in there somewhere. Um, it just looks really really cool and I can't wait to play it. Also one of the games that was shown very 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 briefly at the end was Inscription which I really want to check out. It's like this card game slash with some horrorness in it and it's got a really good write-up um, and the Switch seems like the perfect place for it. Uh, so I'm really, really into that. But back to Andrew and Sylvie. Thank you, Rosalie. Next up, we had Oni and the Road to the Mighty... Okay, excuse me. Oni, Road to be the Mightiest Oni. That's that's how redundant the name is. <laughs> it's out March 9th. That looks like a adventure game where you play as an oni, uh, a demon, who is defeated in battle by a hero and goes to this island to rebuild themselves. Like I, I don't know if it's going to be a, a total rocky ripoff, but <laughs> you go to this island and you, you run around and you fight the other demons that are there and it looks like there was some life sim stuff in this because... It's the style at the time. All the games have life sim stuff in them now. I didn't see the life sim stuff. That's a shame. Um, <laughs> I might be confusing it with another game in here. <laughs> I was just blown away by like the scale of it for an indie mm -hmm. game. It looks gorgeous. Simple, but sometimes simple works when you play with color and composition. Talking like a graphic design nerd right now, but it works. Uh, it, it's really just grass, trees, and sky, but playing with those three elements, like there's a sunset scene in the um, trailer, and it just bathes the entire area in red light. It's hmm. gorgeous. 
Yeah, the frame rate looked a little questionable, though. Like, the trailer looked fine, but then when they switched over to gameplay, I was like, oh, I can see it chugging. <laughs> yeah. I guess e- even AAA developers struggle at this point in the Switch's lifespan. Uh, next up, we had Desta, The Memories Between, which looks like it's going to be a procedurally generated dodgeball game. They just kept calling it a ball game, but you go into a map and it's grid-based and you pick up a ball and you throw it at the uh, at your opponent, and if you can hit them a certain number of times with it, they're out. It's dodgeball. But the setting is a, a dream world. Your character visits this place every night when she goes to sleep, and there's some kind of unfolding story happening there. Really interesting idea. Uh, could be a really cool game if you're into turn-based strategy. It, it's a different take on turn-based strategy. Usually if you want to play a turn-based strategy game, you've, you've got to play a, a sci-fi or a fantasy game, and it's really political and it's really epic, and here's just this little game about a dream world where people play dodgeball. Could be a better take on that than what has become the norm. Honestly, it's nice to have something that's outside of the military shooter sci-fi shooter genres that AAA tend to stay within. Uh, that's why I always appreciate indies, thinking outside the box. And then we had A Space for the Unbound, which is about two teenagers in Indonesia, high school students, who go about you know living their lives, except uh, they're psychic and they're being pursued by demons. <laughs> so a bit of a, a curve there. Looks like this could be a, a really great you know combination slice of life slash psychological horror game wasn't fully clear to me exactly what the gameplay is if it's just totally narrative driven or if there's some action elements to it but i really like the look of this i like that more and more games indie games uh i mean they probably were always there maybe just indie world is stunt to make them more obvious but to explore different cultures than just life as a teenager in america or even just <laughs> japan or you know, like something new from our perspective, at least. Yeah, there was a lot of foreign language introductions in this. Uh, seemed seemed like most people were speaking French to me, but it's nice to see more international representation. Well, we had the the game about Canadian Indians, and now we've got this one, which is about Indonesian high schoolers. It, it's interesting to explore a, a culture that you don't see represented in uh, mainstream media that often. Um, even the dark parts... Because it's, you know, I think it's important to know all the awful stuff. Anyway, I'm, I'm going off track. <laughs> uh, I just appreciate that indie games are a, are a medium for this. Yeah, they've really opened up what's possible. Like, I, I say it all the time about indie games. is they're, they're the games AAA studios won't make, which is why in some ways indie games get pigeonholed so much. You know, like that's why there's so many roguelites and farm sims because triple a studios won't make them but in, in other ways indie games are also a way for you know the people like imofk or the goodbye world people to make a game that is very personal that you know a triple a studio would be like i can't monetize this i'm not going to make it so. yeah absolutely but speaking of french language next up was dordogne which is about a woman who returns to I believe it's a French village. Uh, I think it's called Dordogne. <laughs> and she remembers a childhood she spent there with the grandparents. And as she explores, she, she has these memories and you play them like back to back. You play it in the future as she's 
remembering the memories and then you flash back to when she's a child and you you grow plants and you do like household chores but in a meaningful way great art style that was the main impression i made on this was the really impressionistic i think is the the style that's used here yeah like a watercolor impressionist style mm-hmm. yeah the, the thing that stood out to me is that it if you freeze frame on any part of this trailer it looks like a painting and then when it moves it's a little bit 3D. It's fascinating. Uh, and the art style of the characters looks very French. Like it, I don't know how <laughs> to explain it. <laughs> there is a, a definite, you know, kind of a school of art style. Like there's the Belgian Franco comic book style too, which Tintin is the most famous, but there's a lot of comics that look like that now because people imitate the style so i'm sure you're right i'm sure there's something over there that this is drawing inspiration from and the backgrounds look like a painting because they are a painting yeah <laughs> like the guy was actually on the video showing his paintbrushes so oh, yeah. i'm sure everything in this was created by hand on a canvas and then then scanned into the game i think um cuphead definitely popularized using physical media to make video game art uh, it's been mm. done before, as I'm pretty sure, but Cuphead is the example that I come to that brought it into the more people's attention. So I, I wonder if they were inspired by that or if they came into the idea on their own. But regardless, I just hope to see more of physical media in video games because it works. It's really good for uh, expression. And Dardania is out in Q2 2022. Wait. Three. That must be 2023. Yeah. <laughs> Dordania is out in Q2 2023. And next up was Botany Manor, which looked a lot to me like Mist, but all the solutions are plant-based. <laughs> Did this make an impression upon you? I, I, I saw this was Mist and I was like, I like Mist in theory, but not in practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't stand out to me, which is a shame. You could tell it's got like a lot of uh, effort put into it. But it just mm-hmm. doesn't scream unique to me in art style or gameplay, which I don't know. It might still be a great game, but it just doesn't stand out to me. I think it just sounds like we don't have any missed fans on this show. I'm sure there are a lot of people who yeah. are thrilled to see this game, but we're not one of them. Uh, next was Once Upon a Gesture, which is out now. Uh, looks like a, a narrative kind of improvisation game where you play as two thieves who are trying to get into the castle to steal a bunch of stuff by posing as performers in a in a theater festival and you have to go on in your improvised costumes and you have to kind of stumble your way through a performance so that way you can earn a slot in in the show and get yourself into the castle look like a really fun idea might not be super long but maybe we'll have a lot of replay value based upon how much flexibility there is in the improvisations you can do the art style and the dialogue boxes look really familiar so i'm wondering if i've seen something by them before could be could be i don't know i I don't think this is a game for me i don't think it looks bad by any means it just uh again lots of reading i lose interest (laughs) i like to play games while i'm watching something how did you ever get through persona 5 i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Next up was Rogue Legacy 2, which is also available now, the sequel to Rogue Legacy, which is also on Switch. The game that named the roguelite genre, that's where that comes from, is from Rogue Legacy's marketing. Uh, You play as 
a long succession of heroes who go into this magic castle that keeps rearranging itself every time a new generation enters and you go as far in as you can and get as much treasure as you can until that hero dies and then they can take their treasure back to like the ancestral family manor and you can build it up you can like add new wings new rooms and the rooms that you have in it determine the statistics that the next generation will have when it's their turn to go into this haunted castle at least that's the story of rogue legacy one i'm not sure what's happening in rogue legacy two but it does look like it's pretty much the same basic game premise uh, but they might have something other than the magic castle <laughs> we'll find out rogue legacy is one of those games i've always felt really bad that i never played it for more than the one night i played it uh, i'll probably get back to it soon because i do want to get back to this this looks like a really impressive sequel just building on what rogue legacy one did in terms of you know new mechanics and up updating the graphics but not really doing anything too out there as far as new things compared to what the old game was doing it looks like a cool concept with the like literal legacy aspect of it but uh, again it's not my thing <laughs> and then we had blanc which we've highlighted in past indie world directs i said it reminded me of destiny and this trailer totally dashed that feeling i no longer think this looks like destiny it's a co-op puzzle game uh with a a fawn and a wolf that are separated from their parents and they have to work together to solve puzzles and get back through this kind of snowy wilderness to reunite with their parents and get home co-op puzzle game kind of in the style of uh, a way out or it takes two but not a full-on action game like those are just more puzzle focused and more atmospheric it looks like one that if you're playing it on the oled switch you're going to want to turn the brightness down because <laughs> yeah, everything in it is white and black yeah <laughs> i think it's a fascinating art style and the gameplay looks fairly straightforward but um with any game where you're playing animals specifically cute animals just makes me worry that it's going to get sad <laughs> And I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't have a good ending between these two. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure they get back to their parents, but I do wonder what the ending is. Like, we're friends now, but hope I don't have to kill you in the in the future. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had the traditional sizzle reel. First up was WrestleQuest, which is out in May 2023. That's a sports RPG, but this one with wrestlers. I usually like sports RPGs. I try to play them. Uh, and this one looks absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I might be getting it if uh, <laughs> I'm not playing anything else that week. Yeah, it stood out to me for sure. Is it a Devolver game? Because it feels like it should be a Devolver game. I didn't see, but it wouldn't surprise me. Just the the character designs is just fantastic. And then we had Wobble Dogs Console Edition. That's out November 17th, just a few days from now. Looked like some kind of physics game. It didn't make much of an impression on me. Did you? Did this catch your eye? I mean, the actual Wobble Dogs are hilarious. I'm just watching it back as we um, talk about everything. It looks like there's some sort of uh, breeding element to it, but maybe you... Mm select certain aspects that you want to make the dog wobblier i don't know it's not a sentence i ever thought i'd say gonna breed me some wobble dogs <laughs> uh, 
then we had Storyteller, which looks like a, a puzzle game where you arrange images in three panels to tell a story. Could be interesting. Uh, kind of reminds me of Gorogora. Gorogoa. I, I can't pronounce it. G-O-R-O-G-O-A, which was also a very heavily image-based puzzle game. Yeah, that one didn't stand out to me. Well, I know this one did. World of Horror, which is out in Q3 next year. Tell us about this one, because uh, usually uh, when I see a horror game, I'm I'm turned away. <laughs> <laughs> so the horror aspect is more like the vibe of it. This isn't a game that's going to scare you. It's just a game that might creep you out a little. Um, it plays like a, a board game, like a tabletop game. You have decks that have certain scenarios and fights and stuff, and the game kind of puts it all together, and then you play a mystery and then as you explore these places to try and figure out the mystery, these cards will kind of just be played. It's it's kind of invisible and in the background, but, you know, you might encounter the same scenarios over and over until you unlock new scenarios. That kind of reminds me of, of Reigns. Have you played that game? No. Okay, well, never mind then. <laughs> uh, to the people out there who do know what Reigns is, that description kind of reminds me of Reigns. <laughs> well, that's just, like, how the scenarios happen. You also have, like, some more point and click aspects to it where you'll discover items as you go you'll choose like where you go buy items uh you have your stamina and reason so certain scenarios will attack or um take away specific uh stats but there's also stat checks as well uh and it's all kind of invisible so you don't actually know until you do the scenario and if it comes up again you'll know oh, okay i've got enough strength for this or enough dexterity hmm Ultimately, you, you have to solve a whole bunch of these mysteries before Doom takes over the town. Doom is just kind of like how much time passes, but certain scenarios will just make Doom go faster. I think the, the main appeal, though, is the art style, which is very Junji Ito-inspired, hmm. which is, uh, if you're not familiar, a horror manga artist. Someone's probably done a meme based on the this hole is made for me panel from one of his issues it's just it looks great and it's all done in ms paint i believe and it's got this music as well that's kind of like an 8-bit eerie all of the aspects of the game it's hard to describe without spoiling anything all of the aspects of the game just make this eerie vibe it's not a game that's going to jump scare you, which I appreciate. I, I always like creepy games rather than blur, in-your-face, scary games. And it's just something that I think would work really well on Switch, where you can just play a little bit and then put it down. Right now it's only available on PC, and it's not really a game I like playing on PC, because I like to be comfortable when I'm doing a whole bunch of reading. And I know I said I, I hate reading, but this is a game that once you get familiar with the scenarios, you can skip the reading. Highly recommend it. And then we had Curse of the Sea Rats out in early 2023. Definitely a game for me. It's a uh, side-scrolling Metroidvania. I had actually already pre-ordered this before it even appeared in, <laughs> in the sizzle reel in, in this Indie World presentation. I was like, oh, side-scrolling pirate game where you play as a rat? Yes, please. I'll, I'll take that. And we have Inscription, a game I've heard a lot about, but know very little about. I, I It looks like there's kind of a, a meta-ness to this. Like, doesn't the game start where you, you you find a floppy disk? Like, you, literally you, 
you find a floppy disk and you insert it in your computer or something. It, lo- it looks like a creepypasta game. Yeah, I, di- I didn't even know that much. I might be completely wrong about that. <laughs> it's a game that I've been told several times to play because it has that meta element of it. Uh, so I've gone in, well, I say gone in, I still haven't played it. I'm completely blind on it. I'm really looking forward to finally playing it. This looks like a game that would play much better on Switch as well. Mm. I can't wait. December 1st. And the next up was A Little to the Left, which is available now. It's a Zen-style puzzle game where you just arrange everyday objects in pleasing ways. Basically, there's a there's a Twitter account, a Twitter novelty account called uh, Strangely Satisfying, I think, which is just pictures of objects that are arranged in a way that's strangely satisfying (laughs) but you have to arrange those items in this game like that and it looks like there's multiple solutions to every puzzle like there's one where you have a bunch of jars that you can change the order they're sitting on the shelf and like one of the solutions is to arrange the jar by height but then the uh, another solution is to arrange it by the volume of liquid that's inside the jar kind of a cool idea uh yeah. Not sure how many puzzles are actually going to be in it, but I thought this looked like a lot of, I, I don't know if I'd say fun, but something that I would really like. Something I would sit down and play and go, <laughs> I'm going to remember that game for a long time because I enjoy sorting things. <laughs> I actually bought this one. <laughs> Have you played it Yeah, yet? I've played the first two chapters. It's very, yeah, chill. And I like that there's multiple approaches. Mm. I think that From what I could tell, there's three different solutions to each puzzle. I haven't found that many. It's just it gives you stars based on which solution you found. So if you find the way, like the most obvious way, you get one star. But if you think outside the box a little, you might get like the two or three star thing pop up. Mm -hmm. That makes me believe that, you know, I found a way that they didn't think that I'd find in the first try. It's a good way to know, you know, does my brain work the way like everyone else? The answer is no. There's also a cat that comes in to mess everything up sometimes. Um, <laughs> there's one where it, this, the puzzle is quite simply a placemat, a plate, and a knife and fork, and you just have to set the table, but the cat won't let that happen. Mm. <laughs> uh, it keeps on swiping at the placemat and it just shoves everything around so you're fighting against the cat which i thought was really cute the little segment also had the cat uh just sitting there in front of the developers which i thought was really funny uh, i'll talk more about it next week um i'll, I'll hope to finish it yeah it, it, it's really fun the only gripe i have with it is that it's a cursor based game Mm-hmm. I found accidentally, I wish the game told me this, if you flick the right stick, it'll go between the different selectable objects. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that makes it a lot easier. I'd recommend it for now. I'll have more in-depth thoughts next week. And then to conclude, we had Sports Story for December 2022. Uh, this has been a game a long time coming. It was announced years ago now, I think, and taken a long time to come out it's the sequel to switch indie exclusive golf story which is a a golf rpg which i really liked when it came out in 2017 then i replayed it last year and i was like oh i actually don't like this nearly as much as i used to (laughs) and i've been a little wary of this one because golf story already had a lot of mini games in it that were other other sports that you could play like 
disc golf, which is frisbee basically, uh, and and a few other things. And I didn't think that they were nearly as deep as the main golf game. And Sports Story has so many things in it. There's cricket, there's tennis, there's mini golf, and a whole bunch of other things that I haven't seen <laughs> that they probably haven't announced yet. Um, there was stealth elements in the trailer. Yeah, I'm really skeptical about this game now. <laughs> but it, it does look like they're leaning much more into the fantasy elements, which was one of my big criticisms when I replayed Golf Story last year. It was like, there's... there's you're playing a golf RPG in a fantasy world that has, like, necromancers that can summon skeletons, like a skeleton army. and But that's only in one level where you fight the skeletons. The rest of the game is kind of just a silly Caddyshack knockoff. Uh, so I, I'm happy to see them digging more into the fantasy elements. Like, it looks like there's at least one dungeon that you explore, too. I need to hear more about this game, but I'm really skeptical about it i felt like such an outlier when everybody adored golf story and i just didn't and i really wanted to as well because it's very australia flavored but it just mm -hmm. wasn't enough for me to get into the story of it and i felt not bad but just i don't know i just didn't like it and uh everyone else did so i'm like what what am i missing but what I liked about it at first was that it felt like another Mario Golf RPG like I've been wanting Nintendo to make for years, which they refuse to do. It is definitely the closest to another Game Boy Color style Mario Golf sequel, which there's Mario Golf, then there's Mario Golf Advance, and then nada. <laughs> so I was excited for it at that point, and I probably gave it a little more goodwill than it probably deserved that first year, but... And I replayed it last year, and I was like, oh, this is actually really tedious, and the story isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I think ultimately it was the tedium of it. Maybe I just don't like golf games. That's not to say it was a bad game. I don't think I could... I don't think I played enough to really come to that conclusion. It just didn't click with me. My favorite phrase, it's just not for me. But it should be. It should be. <laughs> <laughs> Everything should be made for me, the main character of the universe. If I don't like it, there must be something wrong with it. Anyway. <laughs> so what are you playing in the coming week, Sylvie? Well, there's this little uh, game called Pokemon coming out this week. Oh, no. Uh, not you too. Yeah, I'll be playing that too, <laughs> at least for a couple days. Like I'm literally halfway through Octopath Traveler now, and I'd like to finish that before the end of the year, so I don't know how much time I'm really going to play Pokemon, but I will definitely play it for as much as I can before the podcast recording, then I'll probably set it aside until next year. <laughs> but high hopes for this one. I, I found it for a very good price. I was going oh, to skip you? it, and then someone, I, I think, yeah, Amazon, $48. Mm. Normally, it's $80. Wow. So. That is great. I'm not going to find it cheaper I, uh, ever. <laughs> no, never. Uh, I, I got the Diamond and Pearl remakes. Mm. I, I bought them for $30 because I knew I would never see them cheaper than that. It's <laughs> only 50% off. Usually, I will buy a game if it's 10 to $15. But. Yeah, Pokemon games tend to go up in price over time. Yeah. 
I would never see Pokemon for cheaper than $30 ever again. It would never happen. <laughs> so I bought them. <laughs> and I'm getting the double pack on Scarlet and Violet because I'm an idiot. But Oh, dear. I mean, they look like they've <laughs> learned a lot of lessons from Arceus. So I'm hesitantly optimistic. Yeah. And I like that it's giving you different paths to go down, like investigate Pokemon, be a gym leader, fight the bad guys, whatever, do the story. It does look like it's totally open world, like 100%. You can go anywhere you want. So The thing that really intrigued me was... Actually, this is from a data leak. I don't know if I should talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it as a surprise for next okay. week. So. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, Play State and Power of X. And be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular patron. The details for both things are on our website. Thanks. This episode was edited by Andrew and you can follow them at Play Critically or read their long-form reviews at playcritically.com. You can also check out Sylvia at stw2 or at twitch.tv slash And you can check out me, Rosalie, at lilrecordgirl.